You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. Hey everybody, and, uh, and and we are live. And if it looks like any of us have like tears in our eyes or we've been laughing, it's because we had a little chat before we went live here. Kasim's Kasim's still recovering from this. We uh, we saw we saw a nude picture of Butterbean on the beach. Maybe he'll be uh, so good as to share that with all of you fine people out there. And we got a more graphic description than ever, which I don't think is a good thing. On the weekly Butterbean bathroom habits. Wow. I'm still recovering. It was bad. When you don't go and when you don't go for at least two and a half days, it's bad. Especially when you used to go in every day, two times a day. Oh boy. It, 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 not it was, only it was too big to go down the tube in the toilet. That's how big it was. Wow. That's so you delivered a baby. I, I'm still in pain. I Ooh. cannot do pain porn. I'm sorry. There's no way in hell. That shit hurt. <laughs> that had to have affected you during the first couple of days of starting to work out and getting the kinks out. I mean, that's a big kink to get out too. And how, how does it my, course, my back or my bow? I'm sure it's sore. I mean, it ain't, I ain't no joking. Are, are you oh, not man. I had to put towels under my seat just to be able to sit down. Wow. You know, doing that thing. Bean, where's your where's that photo? Are you are you not are you sure it's not because you have a bunch of sand in there? That's really not me, Rick. That's not me. <laughs> Come on, show the photo. Are you? I don't know, man. What do you guys think? Was that Bean? That was Sunbean. Sunbean. Hold on, hold on. I'll find it for you. I told I told I told Bean. I said when he's finished with uh, doing the, the show that we all should line up together on the beach and recreate this photo. Hell, hell yeah. Oh, bring it up. Whoa. That's I'm saying thing. that's Bean. I'm saying that's Bean. Talking a better angle for you. <laughs> there you go. See, look at that Bean. You, you're you're already getting love out there. Daniel Rodriguez saying you're his oh. favorite guy ever. Look at that. Yeah. What did I walk into in on? <laughs> I tell you, man, some of the toughest guys have some of the best stories that will have you laughing your ass off in the locker room. That's the one thing I miss about football is the locker room. This, this locker room. Sim, tell, yeah. re, re, regale us with a ridiculous story, man, please. Oh, I mean, I think uh, one of the craziest stories, uh, let's see, oh, man, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many things that happen. Oh, um, we have, we have a playoff game. Um, we have a playoff game coming up, and we we win this game uh, the, the week prior. We won won the game, and then you have like a week off, and I mean people are partying their ass off. And I remember in the middle of the partying, uh, it was Sean Merriman sits up on top of a table and says, "All right, look, everybody, get your shoes on." And get in your cars and let's go to the, the, the locker room because if we get, if we're late for the first day, it's just gonna look bad. We had about 15 dudes coming with pajamas <laughs> and their sleeping bags, and there's a bunch of people just sleeping in the locker room. So when we get there, the coach comes in and looks around and he looks at me and says, Come here. He said, What the hell's going on? Just don't tell me. He said, You know what? I don't wanna know. I don't wanna know. I said, Look, coach. Everybody's pretty excited about the game. We just we couldn't wait to get started, so we're all here. He says, first of all, I call bullshit. Thank you for lying to me because I have plausible deniability. And fourth, your ass is better get in that steam room right now. We had guys huddled up in that steam room trying to sweat out stuff, drinking uh, apple cider vinegar, trying to sweat everything out. Yep. And I mean, we ended up winning. We ended up winning that game, <laughs> but it was a uh, it, it was it was a rough night. I mean, we were people in there throwing up. Uh, people trying to clean up after other guys in the team. We're trying not to get in trouble. But um, yeah, that was. Uh, that was an eventful night. That, you know what? That's awesome. And you guys, you know how we like we talk about wanting to tell larger than life stories on the show. I think it'd be cool to hear from like you know the locker rooms in the streets of uh, Rapungi and the Tokyo Dome and being the places that you've been. Like that crazy show you put on in your hometown in uh, Alabama. There, there's no way half the fighters on that card weren't hammered when they went out there. And. <laughs> 
We, yeah, we, it was a wild night. That was, Herb, Herb Dean is still like, he still talks about this today, that he got to tase one of the cops. He goes, yeah. where else can a black man tase a white cop in Alabama? <laughs> and, and, and not only that, it's the fact that up until that moment, till Herb knew that those guys were cool, he was like afraid he was like heading to jail. And it, dude, it, it was that bad. It's a funny story. These two giant white cops and they showed up, you know, chest out, shoulders up. And then they're in the locker room. They're like, oh, that's Herb Dean. They like turned into fans immediately. And Herb's like, oh, man, oh, boy, I don't know if this is good or not. Anyway, <laughs> um, these cops ended up driving us to the after party. And, Bean, I don't know if I ever told you what they did on, in the parking well, I lot. I know what they did. I've heard. Go ahead, though. Yeah, so we're, we're pulling into the parking lot of this nightclub, right? The cops, like, are going at 80 miles an hour down the street getting us to the club. And Todd Kennelly's in the car and Anthony Rosas, guys from our crew, and Herb. And we pull into the parking lot. And the cops start to shoot down an alley to park at this special place. But the alley is one way and the cops are going the wrong way. So there's a car coming the other way. And so the cops flash their brights, right? Now, if you're in the other car, you don't know it's a cop. You just see some car flashing the brights going the wrong way. So this guy flashes his brights back. Hey, thanks, so, Cody. Go ahead. So the, the cops back up. The guy comes through. Then one of the cops jumps out of the car. He goes, stop. And the guy rolls his window down, and it's a black guy. And his like, he, his eyes were like this wide. And the cops are going, "You should never ever treat an officer of the law that way." And the guy's going, "Oh, you know." Guy apologized his way out of it, and the guy drove away. I felt horrible for the guy, and the cops fell apart laughing. They're goofing around, right? Um, that was a little weird show you brought us to there, being. And then of course we get upstairs to the VIP room. We offer to buy the nice officers a drink for driving us. They're like, oh, no, no, we're on duty. Dude, three hours later, they were the two drunkest guys in the whole club. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, good times. It was, it was a good show, Rick. I, for, for, a, you know, for a, a show and a horse ring, it's pretty damn good turnout. And there were like... Like twenty some fights on the card, weren't there? Oh, like a lot of fights on the card. I did. It was a good. It was a good card, right? Good. A lot of great fights. A, a lot of great fights, and I and I have to ask you this, though. And you know, we change our stories over time. We all tend to exaggerate or make you know embellish a little bit. Being when I've told this story over the years, and maybe this is wrong, I've told people that you were making fights up until the moment of the show by like pulling people out of the audience. Did I make that up? Or is that accurate? No, no, no I, never, I never pulled nobody out of the audience. There were all legit fighters that were on a card. Okay. There was one guy that, that I told the cops to arrest him prior to the fight because right. he was going ape shit crazy. A year after that, the guy went, ended up killing three people. He's on death row right now. Wow. I don't know if you remember the. It was a co main event fight, even. I don't remember. Yeah, he was supposed to fight a guy named Mongo. And, uh, yeah, he ended up killing three people. He's on death row right now. Wow. And he, he was in court. His name's James Hutto. You can, you can view it. He hops up and looks at the judge. He goes, you don't know who I am. I'm James A. Hitman Hutto. In court. <laughs> on a death row case. He told that to the judge. <laughs> it was, I mean, I'm like when I seen that, I went, "Oh shit!" I'm glad His I had it. Just like, okay, I'm That's kind of one of those moments where you know you're going in. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go out with a bang, go out my terms. Boss, what's like? What's like the craziest inebriated fighter before a fight story that you have? Um. Well, I, 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 it was a week before the fight. Uh, it was one part of my own. I was Thai boxing in Holland. And a week before, we had a party for my, uh, for my ex's uh, uh, father. And, it, and he had a bunch of people there. Um, I went over there. We had a lot of fun. And then one guy, Jan was his name. He got very crazy somehow. He had like a delirium. I don't know what that's called in, in, uh, in English. But he started foaming on his mouth and he started knocking people out. 
and he hit a woman and he hit another woman and and I didn't hear it at the moment, but then they say somebody said y'all is hitting women and suddenly he knocks out my mother-in-law. So I go straight up to him and I grab him, but I see something's wrong with him. So I don't want to right away just beat this guy. So I said, hey, y'all, let's go outside and let's fight. Uh, let's hit a tree or something, you know. So while we're walking outside, there's this an old guy who used to work for the company. And he he was uh, he was saying, hey, hey y'all, what's up? And this guy is an old guy. He's like 68 years old. And he hit him full in the face. So that poor guy went down. So now I start pushing him faster outside. I said, we need to get outside because this guy is crazy. So we come outside, and uh, and his suddenly his um, his uh, what's it his son-in-law is steaming up, and they're both they're trying to attack. Me. And I go literally, I swear to God, I go bonk bonk, and they're down. And I'm looking, I go, whoa, and I'm looking at uh, my ex. I go, I just that's pretty easy. It's, I guess I'm in shape for next week, right? There, right? <laughs> and then I hear him scream behind me, and he's come he comes running. And then it went wrong, you know, because he comes running and I want to kick him in the head, which happened. But because he was coming in too soon, I hit him with a shimbo in the oh. face. Yeah, dude, he was broke a skull, broke a freaking teeth out of his mouth. I mean, it went way, way, way too hard. Freaking out. He's in the hospital. Um, uh, he's wired everything. He was talking about razor blades. You're talking like razor blades and scissors. He was talking about that. So I go, oh, shit, I, I, I did something to him. This guy will never be uh, okay again. Then, of course, the police came. They came to pick me up because uh, they thought I hit him with a baseball bat. They were looking for weapons there. I said, no, I, he just walked into my shimmer. Anyway, I had to go for court to court for that whole thing. And I had a judge, and I was at the judge in, the, in court, and it was all, uh, the judge says, oh, uh, sir, I, I see you brought a fan club. And I'm looking, and there's this big group of older ladies, like 40 years old. And they sit there. I said, oh, yeah, ladies. But I didn't know who this was. I said, ladies, show me the signs. You know, the, the boss with the And everybody started laughing. And now she goes, like, yeah, be quiet, be quiet. I said, well, you started this thing, right? She, she, she give the pass. I'll, I just I go with it. But, uh, and then, of course, we try to. You know, do everything. in Holo normally when you fight, nothing happens. But when something like this happens, that's uh, bad. And uh, they try to, of course, get me in jail, get all these crazy people out. They say, "So, do you believe that you hit harder than a regular other person? I mean, like a so I go like a person who plays shot put or discus or who a tennis player. I mean, they can hit really hard as well. So I try to constantly get myself out. They constantly are attacking because you're not like what they always say. You have to register as a weapon. That's a complete BS thing. That's not true. Exactly. But you will. You are considered a weapon if you do martial arts. And that was the big problem. But, you know, so many people were talking and since he knocked out three women and that old guy, you know, everybody was on my side. So I got away with it. But it was a very scary thing. And it was a week before a fight because I thought I I really did some damage, you know, permanent damage. And the guy, he's a father. You know, it's not his fault. He, I think it was drugs with alcohol or something. He was foaming. I don't know what it was, but, uh, man, it went way too hard. That's what I do know. Wow. I bet one thing you don't wow. come around to no more. Uh, yeah, I don't think <laughs> he didn't work for that company either. <laughs> that was, uh, he got fired. Once he hit that old dude, also, yeah, three women, but then also the old guy, poor guy. He was just sitting there. He got shocked in the face, really freaking out. And then attacking me with both of them, you know, so... Yeah, I was just defending myself. Unfortunately, it went a little bit too hard. Well, I'll tell you what. Me being, yes, in Atlanta, me being in Atlanta right now, working at the DDP house, um, I tell you what, a lot of people do the DDPY. And I asked, I told I told uh, Dallas, she said, I said, look, I, go, I didn't get the whole yoga thing. I mean, it's not like, this is really not like yoga. He goes, Bean, look at my hat. And it's got DDPY. And, and it's it's more of stretching and, and like it's not like you think yoga. No. It really blew my mind. It's really not like you would think yoga would be like stretch and put your leg up. Look, I can look. I, look, I can do that now. I couldn't do that before. Wow. <laughs> but no, I mean like uh Austin. It was on the news today. Steve Austin was doing DDP yoga to get ready for WrestleMania. Yep. Wow. Yep, yep. Well, you know, Bean, I, know, I hear what you're saying, like DDPY, the reason he says that, he doesn't want to call it yoga. That's why it's why and not yoga. I'm not doing yoga right now. I'm doing stretching and 
Well, and, and, and all that dynamic tension because everything you do in his program, it you know it's stretching, of course. But every move, every move you do, you know, like even when you open your hands, you have to like be flexing your fingers. I mean, yep. everything is like that. Everything is tense. Everything is hard. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a workout, man. It really is. I've been doing it for a while as well. Like I said, it was on my knees, so I'm only doing exercise for upper body, like the flexing the whole time and the holding these stretches and with the arms. It's really working. You really feel every muscle getting activated. And you don't need any weights. That's the coolest part. No, I, you know, when I told him, I come over, we have some weights in, in, at least in the garage. They yeah. go, well, let's see how things go. But you don't need right them. What we've done, I don't need them. You don't need yeah. them. You don't need, you don't need weights. Um, Bean. Could you pass on a very kind, respectful message to Dallas Page for me, please? Definitely. Will you tell, will you tell him, now that we've done an effing commercial for him on our show, he better get his damned ass on here in the next couple of weeks. All right. We'll do we'll what we can do. Thank you. If you would pass that on to him, like, word for word, that'd be awesome. We'll do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Pushing it a little bit. That's what he's doing. All right. Yeah. So spe speaking of like um, random parting stuff, I don't know why I'm still on that subject. Like Andre the Giant was notorious for. I just want to throw random things out and see where it goes. Andre the Giant was well known for going into the ring drunk, and the amount that Andre could drink. Yeah, to get drunk. I mean, you know, you again, we don't know what's exaggerated, but there are people that will 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 swear they saw him drink. Four cases of beer in one night, no problem. Um, now, I guess if you're a 550-pound man and you're used to drinking heavy, you probably could do that. But um, something Andre was also notorious for is he would have this move where, you know, he hammers his opponent on the back so the guy's head would be down, and then he gets his head between his knees, and he kind of just does this little jump so the guy goes flying into a back bump, right? Well, he was, he was well-known for holding that head between his knees while drunk, and then ripping the biggest fart humanly imaginable. <laughs> from Andre the Giant, that'd be fun. Wow. Apparently it was like it would clear the first couple rows. That's all. Anyway, Who's random. Drunk, boss? Arcane. What is that? What's the most you ever drank in one night? The most Ooh. I ever drank in one night? Um, uh, complete 30-pack with about half a bottle of uh, Don Julio. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying also. Yeah, I. I'm, I. I can. I think in my birthday I drank two bottles of tequila and then also like twenty four beers or something. And then in the morning at seven o'clock, because there were a lot of fighters there, I said I was going to train them, and they called me. And everybody, I said, call me at six in the morning. And everybody thought I would be asleep, but I made sure I was sitting next to the phone. And he got ring ping. I said, yes, it's on. We're going to go to the hill, and uh, and I outran everybody. Everybody was throwing up, so I was still going strong. Oh, that's, that's really a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in your mind, you just process it all and get it out quick. Nowadays, uh, I can't. Yeah. I, right now, I can't. I can't drink nothing right now. But I tell you, I drank a pint of Jack, a pint of Crown, and a gallon of Jaeger in one night. Oh, jeez! Oh, it, it was not good. That's a bit much. That's, I can't. She actually slapped me because of it. Well, I uh, think you know when you throw up, you spit, and she was getting in my face, and when I spit, it was on her. I didn't mean to. She just slapped the fire out of me. Wow. <laughs> well, and, and Andy Stuckey says, "What a great inspiration for a group of guys our age." I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this uh, drinking stories is inspiring you or not, but thank you, Andy. I have a I have a cousin I have to mention that and he uh, he used to drink a lot and he drinks um, let me see what was it twenty six half a liter so thirteen liters which is like a three and a quarter gallon of ten percent beer every day wow yeah where where does he live he's in Holland but he's still alive he he, he kicked the drinking he did this this is a while ago. But I mean, that's he would do every day. Because when I asked him, I said, well, how is, he blew up, he got a lot of weight, but he lost a lot of weight again. He lost like also 120 pounds. So he's a, he's a guy in his mind that normally 
he was a motoric skills, you know, he, his feet was, were like this. He could, he could never be biking. He could never do anything. It's what the doctors said. But he was a big fan of me always. So I, I played a trick on him. One day he, he would come a week uh, to, uh, to us to, to, for sleepover for a week. And I was this, the best week of his year, so to say. And one time I thought, you know what? I'm going to get this kid in shape. And he was always in shape before he drank. So uh, I heard him come up the stairs. I put a mask on my face. I jumped in the closet. And then I, I, I heard him walking in my room. And suddenly I jumped out of the closet. But I go out of the closet, not acknowledging him, just going, out, oh, shit. Oh, God, I pulled the shit off. And I said, dude, you're here. I acted like I didn't know he was there. And he goes, what's going on? I said, oh, no, no, nothing. Don't worry about it. He goes, no, 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 what's going on? I go, dude, you cannot tell anybody. He goes, what, what is it? What is it? I said, this is not a regular closet. It's, it's a teleporter. He goes, what do you mean a teleporter? I said, well, I get teleported to Mars, and in Mars we're fighting the resistance, and uh, I'm helping to fight there with the resistance, and it's this big freaking fight going on, and it was a little bit crazy. He says, I want to help, I want to help. I say, you can't. Why not? I say, well, 80% of Mars is water. You need to know to swim, because they all said that he couldn't swim. And the next time he came back, he could swim. You see, and then every time I started adding something, this kid went on to be a Thai boxer. Now, it wasn't pretty because the technique wasn't really there, but he won a lot of fights. You know why? Because he had so much heart and people could unload on him and he simply wouldn't go down. And they start running out of gas and then he just starts swinging for the fences and dropping people. There was one moment one time when he had a guy and he, from one side of the ring to the other side of the ring, he started kneeing him. Eh? Knee, knee, to, all the way through the ring. The whole audience went, hey, hey, you know. This freaking kid was amazing, you know, but then unfortunately a lot of bad stuff happened to him when he was young and I put him into a heroin addiction and then it all went wrong because then he replaced that heroin. He stopped with that, but he replaced it with alcohol and that's when he started blowing up. But he's got a fighter's heart. He's, he's in, in, actually on Monday, he's going to check in again uh, to, to get him up because he's got nobody and he's by himself. He's in, in an apartment, you know, and, and when COVID took everything away, he was hard training. He was doing everything again, and it's completely taken away from him. So, yeah, I knew he was going to fall back. But uh, he's on it right now again, and he's going to make it again, and hopefully the COVID stays away, and he's going to be there. But, dude, hard and cold. And then also, while he was, he was never a junkie. He was always an addict. So he had a regular job. He worked uh, construction, and while he had a heroin, he never stole a dollar, not one time, from nobody. He's a very straight guy. So, you know, it's... Uh, Commendable that he at least did that. It's uh, unfortunate what happened to him. Yeah, it's remarkable how many people are functional functional addicts. You know, yeah. my, my stepdad was a functional addict. He just drank every day. I mean, piss drunk, shitty, shitty drunk. And yep. he'd be on time to work every day. This man never missed, never yep. missed. Yeah, and then one other guy that like also it's amazing. Because Sam, when I worked for Disney, this was a long time ago, 91, 92, I was running this property called Pleasure Island. Disney went in the in the nighttime entertainment business mm -hmm. and built an island at Disney World, a literal island with concert stages, six nightclubs, if you can imagine Disney in the nightclub business. And I ran Pleasure Island. And I was 31 when I started that job. And I would be in the office at 8 a.m. every day, not ungodly early. I'd bust my ass like I never worked before till 6 p.m., take a minute off, head to Pleasure Island for my just to kind of oversee things every single night to about 2 or 3 a.m. Now, this is 90s. Cocaine was a big thing then. I would stop in every club, check them out, have at least one drink in every club, go in the bathroom, do a line, another drink, another line. I did that seven days a week for a couple of years and killed at my job. Um, I'm wow. surprised I didn't kill myself, but... Yeah, I mean, my quantities weren't huge, but they were consistent. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> consistent. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing to be able to do that or not. Probably not. Well, I mean, it shows you got some good genetics there, so you can process it and get it out, thankfully. You know, but I always been thinking about it. So I always think, you know, because all the crap we did when we were young with all the drugs and all the drinking, it's it has to make your body stronger, right? If you yeah. think about it. So you, I can actually uh, have more crap coming at me than a regular person who's always been clean in his life. That's what I think. I'm not saying to people at home, hey, go try to try that out. It's always better. I'll take my heroin and get some coke, and you'll do good in the long run. That's it. You know, I always wonder the same thing, to be honest. And again, we're not advocating people 
You know, try this. Don't try this at home, kids. But um, it's like people, I'm, I'm in reasonably good shape for 60 years old. You know, I still have abs. You know, I have some musculature. Um, and people are like, how do you do that? And I go, well, it must have been the three years of stage four lung cancer, the two strokes, the double kidney failure, um, the, the MRSA, and a lot of alcohol and drugs. I guess that must be it. I don't know. Because, it, because it's nothing be- I did intentionally to be that way. That's for no, sure. for the people at home, all that stuff that he had before, that was before he started drinking and all this stuff. You know, you had already the cancer was at a young age, all this the, you had that at a long because now people are going to say, oh, it came from doing the drugs, but that was before, right? All the before you started being crazy. Well, I mean, kind of, sorta. I got, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 16, so I was young. But my my mom had died three years before that, and my dad was gone a lot working. So my brother and I became, you know, pr- pretty fierce little partiers at like ages uh, 13 and 14 and whatnot. But was 13 you know i wasn't doing i wasn't doing heroin yet that came later um but we were, we were drinking a fair amount that's for sure wow at a young age your body's in regeneration mode the whole time you got so many uh your your, your igf growth factors are pretty high so you probably sustain your body through that but i mean your, your genetics are showing now that you know your body's still able to regenerate and reproduce and and starve off the uh old man winter so i mean that's yeah, I mean, it must be. It's either that or, as I say half-jokingly, either that or I'm pickled from all the alcohol and drugs. I don't know. That's also the other side of it is that they say a little bit of the – I mean, the whole premise of a vaccine. The vaccine is a little bit of the poison to help your body build. So, yep. you know, uh, maybe we, uh, we we just prove something there that a little drinking is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a saying. Little, a little. People that are watching the show – a little bit here and there. Don't feel bad about it. Just a glass of red, a nice glass of red wine with your dinner. Yes. Yeah. So what they do with friends and there's their their heart rates and heart problems and everything is way lower than everywhere else. And everybody drinks wine there apparently. So hey, let's start drinking wine. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Boss, um, I remember traveling to Japan with you. We're still on the drinking stories. It's kind of fun. And um we are in the airport. You know, you travel international, you got to get there a, a few hours early, right? So we get through pretty fast. Like, let's go up to this bar. The boss, the boss, we all started drinking. Well, drinking for our definition and Boss Rutten's definition are two different things entirely. And uh, we started counting your beers. And I think by the time we got on the plane, you were like pushing 20, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And we're like, yes. how is this possible? And now we got... An 11-hour and 15-minute flight to Tokyo. Well, boss drinks Heineken. Used to drink Heineken, correct? Yes. Now, he definitely cleared out the entire supply of Heineken on the plane. And mm-hmm. remember, <laughs> and then you switched to, I think it was scotch or whiskey. I'm not sure. <laughs> and we we get we get to Hawaii, check, Hawaii uh, Japan, check into our hotel. You know, when you get off that plane, you're whacked, right? And I went down hard and, like, 30 minutes later, it's 1230. The phone rings. It's like, hey, Rick, it's boss. We're going out. And it's like, I had never been to Rapungi before. And I'm like, wow, I am so dead right now. The last thing I want to do is move an inch. But who are, who's ever going to get invited to go to Rapungi with Boss Rutten? Like, I'm getting up. And oh, my God, man. It's like it's like he never even had a single drink by, by the, by the volume and speed you turned up once we got out at 1 in the morning. Oh, you got like A lot of people don't know what Rapungi is, Rick. Oh, oh my God, Rapungi. Yeah. Sim, have you uh, experienced Rapungi before? I've never been there, but uh, my wife's been dying to go out there. We've been talking about it and uh, watching videos on YouTube. There's a, a lot of amazing things to see in Japan. You have three guys right here who can probably give you a lot of good ideas. Um, Rapungi <laughs> is a small district of Tokyo. And it looks like Blade Runner on speed, kind of. If you remember the movie Blade Runner, it just has that vibe to it. There's like Euro trash models and like giant jacked up guys from every country walking the streets. It's just trouble. You know that the second you get there. Now, all the buildings are very tall, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories. And most of the buildings, it might be like a tailor or something, but it's mainly bar, 
restaurant, bar, 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 nightclub, bar, bar, restaurant with alcohol. And then you got the ones underneath everything. Dude, was like that Falfara? Falfara, that place? Yeah, having to go down the steps to go yeah. into the bar. You, 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 and then with all the lights in the thing, and then you, and then you go all the way down, and suddenly it opens up, and you hear this music, and it boom, boom. And then it's like freaking, what, 30 feet ceiling. Yeah, it's just nuts. Like in the, in the freaking, I don't know how deep in the ground, and it's 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 a madhouse. It's crazy. And then, and boss, one one thing I heard this again, you might know if it's true or not. I don't. Is that in this two square mile area called Rapungi, that there are three thousand establishments that serve alcohol, which sounds insane, but when you see yeah. how condensed it is and how tall these buildings are, it kind of makes sense. I don't know. But I've heard that. Yeah, one. that is very possible because I mean everything is there. So the gas bedding, Motown. I mean all these bars. You remember the other gas bedding? You have two of them. I yeah. mean, uh, it, it's it's crazy. Also, the thing is, they 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 stop they, they stop serving at six a.m. or something. But then you oh, can go yeah. to other places. It's crazy. This is where I got hit by a car when I wasn't drinking. You heard that story, right? With uh, Josh. Uh, um, oh. From Sherwood, uh, Jeff Sherwood was there, and Josh Gross was there, and uh, and I said, you know, that was the one time I had a couple of beers, and I go, you know what, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to call it quits. So while I'm walking out, there's this big party going on. They say, hey, where are you going? I said, don't tell anybody. I'm just going. I want to go to sleep. You know, I, you really okay? I'm going to go with you because I want to tomorrow. I have to get this for the same flight. And Quentin Jackson also, he says, I want to also stop. So we all walk outside, and this was the one time I wasn't drunk. Uh, like I said, maybe I had three beers, and I walk on the road, and I look to the wrong side, and this car comes, his cap, and he freaking full hits me. So I see him, and I hear him break, so I jump up because I figured at least I'm going to fly over. He's not going to freaking slam me. And they, George Groves, everybody, they wrote an article about it. They said, oh, he used that. That's what we thought because I flew over the freaking van, and I landed on my back. I'm laying on the ground. I remember everybody comes running to me. I go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I go, what? I said, let me see. I said, no, no, I told them. I said, I think I'm going to have a crazy. So then I realized I had this big piece of meat out of my hip from the road, like a road rash, because I crashed in it so hard. But it was the wildest thing. I mean, the one time I'm sober in that place, I get hit by a freaking cab, fly over the freaking thing wow. and landing on my back. Wow. That's crazy, yeah. boss. That figure is on. Wow. Crazy stuff. What's um guys, what's the yeah. sing what's the most traumatic in single incident that's happened to each of you guys physically? Like boss, getting hit by a car. Um, you know, along those lines. What would be the single most gnarly traumatic thing that's happened to each of you guys? Uh, for for me, uh I almost got shot at point blank range, uh down in Jacksonville. I was uh Visiting well, one of my friends was a general contractor and I was asking him to do some work on my house and I ended up uh, his daughter actually was one of our cheerleaders and she's like 19 years old and this had the time like 31. So I mean immediately when the story broke and everything happened, everybody's oh it's his girlfriend, he's trying to date this young girl and all that. I was like, nah, you knew who I was. That's not the case. But I mean, luckily I was over there. Just I guess apparently this girl had an ex-boyfriend that I didn't know about. Uh, and the whole family, everybody knew about that. You know, oh, you know, uh, go hang out with my daughter and watch Monday Night Football. My son will be over there after he gets off work. Uh, you can hang with them and watch the game. And I'm sitting there hanging. I guess this guy who she had a retraining order against comes in, breaks in the house. This guy has a um, grocery bag on his head with just one eye hole poking out. So I look back and see the gun pointed at me. And I look at him and I start laughing. I thought it was her brother because he was supposed to come over. So I thought it was her brother playing a prank. I was like, oh, what are you doing laughing? And then, like, he hits you with the gun in the head. I was like, seriously. And then he starts accusing me of trying to uh, date this girl right here. I was like, dude, I'm 31. This girl's like my like I had kid's age. And I was like, do you totally mis misunderstood the whole situation? And he, he's just yelling at her and yelling at me, pointing the gun back and forth and just threatening to shoot me. This is going to be the last day on earth. And da da da, like all kinds of just crazy shit. So as uh, he's yelling at me and talking to me, the girl slips to the door, like slowly inching to the door, inching to the door, inching to the door. And then the last like split second, she jumps over the second story railing down to get her revolver that's on the on, on the uh, counter. And I saw the gun when I first walked in the house. I figured it's Florida. So everybody has guns, so I'm not tripping. And she points the gun back at him and tells him, get that out of my house. And he's yelling at her at the top of the stairs. And I guess they start shooting at each other. So I'm the only one in the house without a gun. 
And I just got back from this other day on social media. The guys tell me, oh, you're a pussy. You ran from when the guy had going to shoot you. I'm like, hey, you fucking idiot. You don't stick around and get shot. Run to go get a gun somewhere. So as they're shooting at each other, I just hear a bullet flying. I closed the door to the room I was in and had to barricade it with the chair. And I guess he started trying to get back in the room. And I guess he didn't shut up the door as well. And I jumped through the window to the second story. And uh, I mean, I kind of let myself out, kicked the screen out, let myself down. And I'm pretty tall, but it was probably like another five or six feet uh, to the ground. So I dropped down to the ground, no shoes on. I'm running down the driveway, and they have a wrought iron fence with the pokey sticking up. And I mean, you can't scale that kind of fence, but they have these stone pillars. And it was like, I know the stone pillars are probably around like seven feet high. So I'm going to run up and do like this parkour flip where like my back is touched to the top of it and I kick the legs over. And I run down to the neighbor's house. And I'm banging on the door. This is like um, like probably 9.30 at night, like towards the second half of the football game. And I'm banging on this door. And this is not a, a neighborhood in Florida where, you know, there's black people out at that time of the night banging on people's doors. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor comes out with a shotgun pointed right at my face, like, get the F off my porch, you fucking nigger, and all kind of crazy stuff. I'm like, look, I don't want no problems. There's a dude next door trying to shoot your neighbor. I just need you to call the cops and bring him here. And he's like, Oh, okay, yeah. And then he closed the door, turns light on, he closes the door, comes out with his cell phone. He's like, Oh, yeah, she has a crazy ex boyfriend. It's probably him. I was like, Yeah, that's it. I was like, How's everybody know this shit but me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cops there, I guess the guy took, he had took off once he couldn't get back into the room, I guess. And she, uh, I don't know, he kind of ran one way and they couldn't find him. And he was faking like he was at home the whole time when the cops went to his house. They went to go pick him up. And um, he was saying, oh, I, was, I was just kidding and playing with that. I was like, Well, you know, they're saying that you hit him with the gun and all that. So he hit me a couple of times in the head, but it wasn't like what the media said I got pistol with. Like he kind of like tapped the gun on the head. Maybe he did hit me hard. I don't know. I play football. So it wasn't like I wasn't used to getting hit in the head. But I, I remember at a brief moment, he cocked that gun. It was right there in my face. And that, that thing was going to go off. I was like, by the grace of God, I didn't. I didn't lose my life because I have kids now, uh, you know, for the, the legacy. But at the time, I was like, dude, this is the end of it. This is about to happen. And stuff was moving in slow motion. But um, I mean, I, I got out of there, thankfully. Dude, that's wow. nuts. That's nuts. I, I, I have one problem with this story, and it's this. How stupid would a guy have to be to only have one eye hole in the bag? Be harder to see that way, wouldn't it? Yo, it, it was like Friday the 13th, the part one, where Jason just put the, the, the pillowcase on his head and pulled the hole out. It was like that. It was so funny. I couldn't take the things up. Even though gun was there, I thought it was a brother joking. I was like, laughing. <laughs> One hole right there. I'm like, you got to breathe out of it, see out of it, and talk of that one hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. It made no sense. I don't know why to disguise yourself with a, a bag. Like, I mean, that's the funny part of me. I wish I had had that on, on, on video. That's pretty funny. The one wow. hole especially. Yeah, but scary too because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, if he was drunk or whatever, he pulled the trigger, that's it. My yeah, in fact, I catch all the flack about that online. Oh, you ran, you're a pussy, this and that. I'm like, dude, when you have a gunpoint, I grew up in a rough neighborhood too, so I've been shot at before or been almost stabbed or almost jumped by gang members and whatnot. So, I mean, I've been through that mirror. I tell it all the time. It's like, it's like if you don't prepare for a fight, you're going to freeze. So you have to have a plan of action if a situation like that occurs. And I always know you can always run to get help, but you can't run to get help if you're the only one without a, a weapon on you. Yeah, that's why you were so fast on the football on the football field. Oh yeah, <laughs> danger coming. You got to get going. It's funny how, well, how know, people uh, always, hey, always hey. think that they know what they would do, right? And those people who write that stuff, they're the first ones who freaking bail like a maniac. It's oh, like the yeah. guys when a fighter loses and then they go attack him on on film. It's the same people as when a, an actress is overweight and they start going online. These women are insane you go oh she's fat she's big i go who does yeah. that you know some weird people out there but uh, those are the people so yeah we had somebody we had someone named paid programming commenting saying as bruce lee said when they point a gun you run so That's there right. you go yeah <laughs> yeah okay, listen there's, there's a lot of there's a but Whatever you're in your room, and the room is locked, and the guy pulls him out, and, he, and if he's wearing a mask, okay. But if he's not wearing a mask, and he shoots somebody in front of you, and we talked about this before, right? Like, it's just high. Now it's a situation that you pretty much know you're going to die because, you know, it's, well, you saw there him, you go. somebody's going to point you out in court. That's what you can do. You see, now you need to do something. You know, that's what yeah. I always say. It's better to have a skill 
and don't need it than to need a scale and don't have it. You know, oh, without question. And they say, oh, it's not going to work. I say, yeah, but guess what? Doing nothing, 100% you're going to fail. Yeah. But there's something, at least there is a chance that you can do something. And if you did that something 150, 200 times, now you got a much better chance. And they'll never expect. Somebody with a gun, all the power is in the gun. And they yep. all think this thing is going to happen. And they come yep. too close, you're there. You get it. If it's a distance, that's a different story. That's yeah. a very dangerous weapon. Same as a weapon, like a knife. A knife is on short distance, way more dangerous than a gun is. A gun's got one projection. As soon as you got the barrel and you just go with it, so if they pull it, you just go yeah. with it. You know, as long as you make sure the barrel is not pointing at you or a loved one, of course, on the side, you have to watch out for that as well. You're going to yeah. be okay while you can start hitting him because you're already having the gun. But a knife, ooh, and especially a switchblade, both sides, and, and, yeah. and with a person who knows what to do, that's a scary weapon. Yeah. I, I, do, I do dry trials uh, at night um, probably once a month for, for like an hour or two, just uh, in my house, uh, securing the house, securing the perimeter, walking around at night, uh, no lights on. How fast do I get out of the bed to grab my weapon to, to point it at the door to be able to get there? And I'll yeah. have my wife time me. Because, I mean, it's, you never know about the situation until you're in that situation. So it's better to put yourself in these these mock trials to test your skills. Find some skill that you have that's good, whether you're good at using knives, like Bass was saying, or if you're, you're a good marksman, anything, pepper spray. Like, what's your plan? You have to have some type of plans. If you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. Hands yep. down. 100%. So, Bean, how about you, man? Single biggest physical trauma moment ever? Well, the scariest kind. Of. I was with these three hookers, right? And we're fooling around a little bit, and they told me they wanted 300 bucks. I said, yeah, that's a fucking deal. So, well, I found out there's 300 apiece. And they called their damn pimps. It wasn't good. Oh. Sorry, I don't have no good stories. I just made up. shit up. What happened? Tell us more, man. <laughs> Good, Rick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't compete with a King story with, with like nothing that's really happened. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's there was like, uh, there was these kids who got in a fight at, at a party with my, and he had my son's car. It was a brand new car, and they put a big ass dent in the side of it. And this is a true story. And I was only scared for a quick second. So, and there was like five of the kids, and they, were, they called my son, and they said, we'll just meet you at the grocery store down the road. So I hopped in the car with him and went down there. Well, all five of the guys jumped out with baseball bats. And I said, fuck it, let's go. And we hopped out. <laughs> they all dropped the bats and hauled ass. I mean, <laughs> hell yeah. I was tickled when they dropped the bats, to be honest with you. So I grabbed the one, put him in a – I'm glad the cops come. I would have probably killed the kid because I was choking him. I had him up. I mean, he was like, I don't know what you'd call it, but he was he was going out. And the cop looked at me and goes, Bean, I'm going to tase you if you don't let him go. And if you tase me, I'm going to break his neck because I'll just take it up. <laughs> so he said, okay, just let him go. So I let him go. And I mean, he was, he, he was breathing again. It's kind of scary a little bit. Shit. I've been tased. No, I never been tasered. I always thought about can I? I, I, I may, my wife says you're crazy if you try it because you never know. But I, I will always wonder. I have the feeling, but I might think I'm better than I am, of course, that I can shoot and I can pull them out. That's what I'm, I'm praying I can do because I, I'm a good mind controller, but I don't know. They say it's freaking crazy, my buddies. There's nothing you can do. Well, sure. Let's next week, if we, if we ever all get together, let's try it. No, no, Bean, you said you've been tased? Yeah, I've been tased several times. It's, it's If you look at my episodes on Big Law, Deputy Butterbean, yeah. there's episodes of me getting certified, you know, to carry a taser. Wow. And wow. It, 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 I forgot to help my back. I mean, you, you can't really move. But it, <laughs> when it's done, it's like a giant TENS unit. Oh, wow. Yeah, I shocked myself trying to get in the cold tub with the tens unit, <laughs> but I can imagine the taser is like a hundred times worse. Yeah, and they shot they shot me with the barbs and all too. One like I, you Ooh. know they dropped on me. They shot me with the barbs. Uh, I remember I my, my birthday. That was when I drank the two bottles of tequila with the twenty four beers. Uh, Someone, my buddy, hold hold the calendar. The actor from Mindhunter, uh, 
from that show on Netflix. He he came in and there was a big everybody was going on and he gave me his present and I opened it up and it's a taser. And I'm focused on the taser, so I'm opening it up. I see the battery, I do this, I put the battery in there, and I look around and there's nobody in the house. <laughs> everybody <laughs> ran out. They knew I was gonna try it out of somebody. It was so funny, not one person stayed, everybody was out. So I could well, drive. Lived about, killed me when I, you know, they have the, the, the shot collars for dogs so they don't leave the yard. Yeah, yeah. Well, we actually turned up really high because it was a big rock ball. Well, one night, Libby didn't want to get up and get me a drink, so I just put it on her ass and hit the button. Bad mistake. <laughs> <laughs> she was not happy, let me tell you. <laughs> I, love that, I love that whole story. And, and you know, and well, Libby, I actually wanted to ask Libby on. She's not there for the first time because you're in Atlanta. <laughs> I, I love how the story started. Well, Libby didn't want to get up and get me a drink. It's like, why would she ever? That's the first part of the story. And then, like she's expecting to get up and get me a drink. I was really thirsty. I didn't want to go get it myself. And you know, I get your drink sometimes. You know, she didn't want to. She's reading her book. Oh, dude, this is too crazy. You're a walking miracle. Being alive after that, shh. Yes. Oh, yeah. Shock Libby in the book. Go to sleep, my honey. You know, you gotta, I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> That's right. No, I, mean, I, I got rid of the thing. I knew she was going to put it on my nuts or something when I was sleeping. Ooh. She's too sugar even. It ain't like she's not one that's sugar even. She's the sweetest thing in the person. People that, people that actually meet Libby like her better than like me. <laughs> she's like she's awesome i mean but yeah she'll she'll she's sneaky as shit wow <laughs> oh, that's some good stuff wow the stories that come out of you dude we need a book like if we need a butterbee book the bb yes <laughs> i haven't done any of the good stories yet i don't know if this, this show can handle them <laughs> Oh, it's so hilarious. I, I was thinking about doing a book a long time ago, and I started writing down bullet points, and I look at my wife, I go, I'm not going to do it. She goes, why not? I said, nobody's going to believe it. I mean, it's too insane. It's too insane, you know? And then I got my daughter still, you know? What is going to turn 21 now next week? So at least then she's an adult, and I, maybe maybe then I'm thinking about it, but some stories, yeah, you, I don't know if it's a good thing to be out there with that, you know? You'd always see people getting shook, shook down by federales when they go down to uh, TJ. When I went to San Diego State, we go down to party all the time uh, every weekend down to uh, TJ. And you always Bill? see some little students getting shook down under the bridge. The cops are like, I know you got drugs. Just give me your money and you can keep going. You go back to America. Every time you just walk by them, like people getting shook down and you just walk by like, how are you doing? You just keep going to the border. You don't stop. You don't ask questions. Just yeah. keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, being in Boston, you tell me if I if I already told the story about the time I extorted the police in Rosarito Beach. I think I told you that one, right? I don't think I don't so. Because, no. yeah, so, Sam, I was able to turn the tables on these guys. I went right before I started with Disney. My buddy and Michael and I went to Rosarito Beach to celebrate, to move to Florida and all of that. Go to our favorite restaurant, La Fonda. Beautiful, like, atmospheric place on the ocean in Rosarito Beach. Past TJ. So at dinner, met this beautiful girl. And I still have this photo all these years later, of like gazing at her across the table. I was so psyched to have met this girl. We were to meet at another restaurant down the street. So we, me and Michael walk out to the car. As we're getting in the car, the lights go on behind us. And we hear this, stop, you're under arrest. And we're like, wow, okay, what do we do? Two police. They come up, you're under arrest. They point to Michael because you're urinating in public which we just came from a restaurant, perfectly good bathrooms. He was not urinating. And they said to me, because you're drunk driving. Well, A, I wasn't drunk. B, I wasn't driving. So anyway, they throw Michael in the back of the police car. Then the other cop gets in my passenger seat and says to me, okay, follow that car. And the cop car pulls out. Now, right after I've been arrested for drunk driving, now I'm supposed to follow this guy and drive. None of it makes any sense. Yeah. We go down these roads, driving, driving, driving. And now we're on this dirt road. It looked like something out of a bad Quentin Tarantino movie. It was creepy and, you know, would have been atmospheric if we weren't so damn, so damned afraid. We pull up to this jail, looked like a torture chamber, and they go, okay, guys, how long do you want to spend in there? 
So we're like, oh, here it comes. So we go, we don't want to. They go, great. How much do you have? So they shook us down, took every bit of cash they had on us. Um, and my friend's brand new Ray-Bans. It was like 300 bucks altogether on my friend's Ray-Bans, which he was really pissed off about. So I'm going to try to make this fast. Sorry. We go back to the restaurant. I find the owners who are old friends at this point. Tell them what happened. They hand me a card. It's a business card I've had for over 35 years now. I still have this card. Jesus Ramon de Torres. He was a head of tourism for Baja, Mexico. They go, call this guy, tell him what happened. Maybe he'll do something. I called him the next day when I got back to California. I was so pissed at this point. Not only getting shaken down, but really like not over losing the girl of all things. So I call this guy and I make up this big story. I'm like, I'm the head of marketing for the Walt Disney Company. I know every media in San Diego. I'm going to call them all. I am single-handedly going to shut down your tourism trade overnight. The guy like stops pissed. He starts like pissing himself over the phone. Please come back. We'll make it right. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going back there. He goes, I'll meet you at the border. It'll be safe. I go, I meet him. I ask for his ID. I call my brother in front of him. I go, here's who I'm with. I'm trying to make it sound all official. Takes me to lunch at a Chinese restaurant with the chief of police and the mayor of Baja. These guys were like, they actually thought I was going to do what I said I was going to do. Kill their tourism. Right. So they take a report, tell us what happened. So I tell them the whole story, all the details. And they go, so what did they What did they take? And I said, oh, okay. My Rolex, my friend's Ray-Bans, and $2,000. So, okay, they write it all down. They go, if you saw the police again, would you remember them? I'm like, yeah, it was a couple days ago. Of course I would. They go, let's go to the station. We walk in the station, the two cops... We're standing right in the entryway when we got there. I don't know if it was a setup or not. They looked pretty shocked. I'm with the mayor and the chief of police. I go, him and him. They make this big show of arresting these guys on the spot. They take them away. 30 minutes later, they come back. They go, well, they corroborate your story, except for one thing. They Love say it. they owe $200 in a pair of Ray-Bans. <laughs> My heart's like beating like this. I'm like, fuck you guys. Fuck them. Drive me back to the border. I'm going to get on the media and kill you guys. They go, please wait here. They come back. They go, they give me $6,000 U.S. cash. I went back, crossed the border. Oh, before I got there, they said, will you come back and testify? And I said, absolutely. So will. The next morning, 5 a.m., my phone rings and this voice going, if you come back to Mexico, we'll kill you. I'm like, no problem. Hung up. That was it. End of story. <laughs> yeah. What was the mayor on the line? If you come back, to <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, man, that was crazy stuff. Have you been back since? Yeah, I have been back, but the, the time I went back next was like 20 years later. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm sure everyone dead or gone or whatever the case may be. I used to have hair. I was a different person. It's all right. <laughs> you got your worst back. You know, the inconvenience, a couple couple thousand to pay for that. Yes. Yes, they lost me. They lost me the girl, man. They lost me the girl. So yes, well, that is the come up right there. Extra money, <laughs> but wait, little extra traveling money. Yeah. Was the Rolex for real, or that was made up? You, they really no, got there you. was no Rolex. No, there was a pair of glasses and a couple hundred bucks. I had the Rolex in the inventory, and they asked me how much the Rolex was. I think I told them like twenty five hundred bucks or something. That's how they got up to six grand when we got paid back. Was thirty five? I don't remember. <laughs> the evidence room. <laughs> the Phantom Rolex. Yes. Oh well. Wow. You know, yeah, man. You know, I, figured, I figured at that point the cops had admitted to them that they extorted us. So, yeah. <laughs> well, my word against theirs at that point, right? Whatever. Yeah, that's true. And they lied before, so in court they're guilty, right? <laughs> right. Will you come back and testify? Oh yeah, sure I will. <laughs> ah, wrong answer. Come back, we're gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no testify, no problem. Wow. No problem. They probably tortured that cop and they, they both of them and they said about the Rolex and they found out the Rolex was not real and that's why they were giving you that threat. Yeah, you know, it, it is funny, boss, because you like you talk about writing a book. You know, it, I, I wrote this book with all these crazy stories and one is something, a couple could really get me in trouble. I mean, that's illegal what I did. It was 20, 35 years ago now in Mexico, so I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. So, right here, you kinda, 
yeah, you get to a point you're like, ah, whatever. If as long as you don't mind your family. Yeah, yeah. at least what you never should say, you know, like those twelve people you killed, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no statute of limitations. No statute yeah. on that one. one. No. <laughs> yeah, that's, you gotta watch out with that. But for the rest, everything five years, I believe, right? That's it. I, I think I think something like that. I'm not seven. sure. Yeah, seven. seven I'm most up seven years. Too much so 14. Sorry. <laughs> well, I can't sleep because I'm hurting. I watch that shit. Wow. And which one? What do you watch? I said when I can't sleep, I watch court TV and, and, and like the law type stuff. That, um, that's <laughs> why you can't sleep. So that shit's bad for you, man. Rick, if it wasn't for that, I'm laying there for hours just laying there staring at the fucking ceiling. I mean, pardon language. I mean, I'm just staring. I mean, I can't sleep. I'm hurting so bad. Well, then put on a nice meditation tape or something. Here in the house told me that. Put on some white noise music. What the hell is white noise? Yeah. You know, or, like, or, or, or a nice or a nice romantic <laughs> comedy. <laughs> nice romantic <laughs> comedy, Bean. Right. I'm not a yeah. dropping like rainy kind of guy. Rain makes me pissed. I hate rain. You should. Uh, they have the Calm app, and I heard that Matthew McConaughey's uh, channel gets a lot of love. You uh, probably white noise, and I told her I, I would. But I'm not gonna. I just can't stand that shit. Kasim, can you explain to Butterbean, please? I know you can do this. Why it's not good to watch Murder and Mayhem at nighttime? Oh man, it's uh, it's just negative energy. It's going to deplete your serotonin levels. You're not going to be able to recharge the battery because uh, the energy is negative. Well, that's why I'm tired all the time and I hurt. I guess I I don't know what to. When they feed you, when you don't get to eat, and you're starved, and and you like, nah, they're they're feeding us, but yeah. <laughs> I'm a grumpy, I'm a grumpy bitch right now. I'll be honest. Genius speed. <laughs> Well, Bean, seriously, how, how are you acclimating to the diet? You're on a hardcore, I don't want to call it a diet. That's, that's a misnomer. You're on a, you're on a life eating plan right now, a healthy plan, but I know it's very, very strict. How are you doing with it? Well, when I talked to Dallas, when we talked about the show, I was 397 when we talked about it. You remember, I don't know how far it was from them to yeah. now. Um, and I went on a really strict diet. And I weighed in at fight weight. I'm like three right now. How, how many fights do you have? I was one hundred three ninety seven sixty. So I lost thirty seven pounds in that time. And, oh and, wow. And, that, and, wow! and that's great. That's great. But here's what I want to find out from you. So you lost a lot of weight, but like you said, you were on a strict diet. Now we yeah. all heard a million times that diets don't last because you're you're depriving yourself. The way you're eating now, unless I'm wrong, is just a new way of life and a healthy way of life that you'll hopefully always be able to do because you can't deprive yourself for the rest of your life. So do you? you know, I mean, it's when it comes to things like pizza and shit. You can't ever have it again. I mean, you know, it's it's. I mean, the same shit here that I eat at home. And this food, I mean, just is good, if not better, because I didn't put some fruit and stuff in my stuff because of the extra sugar. I mean, they, they, it's opened me up to some things. I can eat more than I was. I mean, I was making a seafood stew at home, and I would eat it every day for two meals a day, and I'd have egg whites and oatmeal in the morning or grits. I'd have two, three eggs. If I had three eggs, I'd take two yolks out. So it was really only... It was less than three. Um, and then if I ate two eggs, I ate just two eggs. And then I have to cut oatmeal. That was breakfast. And then I would have my seafood stew, which I got these gigantic shrimp. They're, they're huge shrimps. I put scallops, fish, uh, Brussels, not, uh, bean sprouts, um, some other stuff in it. And I would eat it twice a day. That was, And then I'd have a protein shake. That yeah, you, can't, you can't live your life that way for the rest of your days on this planet, though. You know that. When I was fighting, Rick, for over a month, I ate nothing but canned tuna. And finally, I found out mustard's good in it. 
just to stay okay. down the way. <laughs> I've never gone under 300 pounds, ever. And I and there was a month, or over a month, I had nothing but canned tuna every meal. I remember in college, it was canned tuna and spring leaf mix with a little uh, Italian dressing. But I wasn't even eating the vegetables, which I should have been. Yeah, I, I I think we've all done that before. But what I'm what I'm trying to get to is it's not sustainable. I, maybe it is for somebody. Uh, do well, you feel I mean, like you're 500 pounds? You know, like I was. Yeah. When you want to make a change, you'll 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 eat shit. The way I look at food right now, it's mm-hmm. fuel, and that's the only thing I look at food right now is fuel. Okay. All right. I mean, Dallas. You know, he made the statement: if if it's not good, I'm not going to eat it. And, and, and the food here has been good to me. I mean, it really has been. I'm, I mean, I can't really go into detail what we're eating and whatnot, but it's, it's very tasty food. I mean, it's 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 almost like cheating. Yeah, but it's not good. Are you feeling better yet? Like, I, I'm, 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 I'm really sore. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm in pain. Do you get the apple cider vinegar to sort of help with that? Uh, if you put a, a cap full of apple cider vinegar into an Aquafina bottle and then sip it the other day, it should help I'm with it. My wife drinks it every day, and it's she's like she craves that shit. Me, it's I've had it when I get an upset stomach or something. I'll eat it, but it don't help with my the pain. It don't help with the lactic acid breakdown. Acetic acid is the weak acid, so it leaches the hydrogen atom off of the uh, lactic acid, breaks it down. So it's gonna help me from having a, a coke can come up my ass. It don't work. It don't help. Trust me. I had to take some some shit that's in a blue bottle. I had to drink half the bottle to get it to come out today, and I mean I figured. Going on the third day, I better do something. <laughs> but my back did feel a lot better when I got it out, when I give birth. Oh, man. All, all I can say is thank, thank God we didn't go through a whole show without two references to Bean's ass. So I'm glad we got that in at the end. Hey, That's my a- baby, my day here is great, though. I mean, it's better than when I got it home. Is it going to This play? one has front and back. And it, you can adjust the pressure as you go. It's heated to me. Heated water, you adjust your town, and you can do pulsating or rotating. <laughs> it's awesome. Man. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to tip it when you done. How long are you sitting at the thing? You say what? How long are you sitting at the thing? This show is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. People watching this, I, I honestly, I honestly believe it's going to inspire a lot of people. And it's not a small time; they put a shitload of money in this show. Yeah, I mean, we got doctors, nutritionists. I mean, we got legit people. I mean, I mean, it's it's not, you know, there's there's five of us in the house, but then there's fifteen other people that's that's doing stuff. I and mean, this is a production. Yeah. If this don't hit Showtime or an HBO, it's going to be crazy. Because I mean, it's it's a it's that good. It's going to be that good of a show. That's awesome. fantastic. Wow. That's so good to hear. I, mean, I, don't, I can't give nothing away. I mean, I'm I'm sworn to speak secrecy on that, but I'm telling you what, there there's like it's good vibes in this house. Good, good. Still, I mean, everybody get along. There's we can go that yeah. far. There's, there's good there's good presence. I mean, there's good. I mean, I tell you what, Dallas cares. He ain't doing this just for the money. I'm telling you, he cares. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, everybody he helps, he cares. That's awesome. Good. I'm really excited to see the end result for you, man. I really am. There's one kid that's here I want to bring on the show one weekend soon. That uh, yeah, he's had a hard life. I mean, I mean, he's just. But uh, he he has the most positive attitude you could have. You know, and I relate. I mean, I kind of relate to bigger people because you know I was a fat kid. I mean, I was I was I've never been under three hundred pounds. Even in elementary school, I was over three hundred. Wow. And uh, I remember one time I'm, I was at a car convention and the Hulk was there. It wasn't the real. It wasn't Lou Ferrigno. I actually met Lou Ferrigno last week. Seventy year old, looking great. And, you know, he took pictures, and we had to wait to get them developed, because back then they didn't have, like, Polaroids and all that, that quick shit. Um, I got the pictures. I didn't want to show them nobody. I was bigger than the Hulk. Wow. I mean, it was, like, almost embarrassing. So I relate to kids that's picked on and, and whatnot in school, and, you know, I I just got a, I got a soft spot for the guy. He, he's a good kid. 
We'll, we'll 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 get him on for sure. And, and boss, I see that puzzled look on your face. We got we got hacked again. Yes. Yeah, I tried to block him, but it's no work. He said refreshing the page. So yeah, I know Rachel's on that also. Yeah, you know, get, get your testosterone boosted up a little bit. Nothing, it's not no harm, no foul. <laughs> well, guys, it's been, it's been an hour. Um, I just put my tens unit on. I'm fixing to get a shower, and I'm gonna go to bed because I am wore out. Dallas gonna whip my ass tomorrow, so. Well, Steve, Bean, why don't you why don't you wrap this up and take us home then, my man? Hey, Phil, I'm just gonna say hi to Phil. Phil, good to see you back here, buddy. Okay, go. Hey, everybody, come out, come check out next week. It's gonna be a great show. We're not gonna tell you who's gonna be on, but it's gonna be a good show. Akeem, Rick, Bot, I love all y'all. Y'all have a great week. Love you back, Bean. All right, back, right back. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody. All righty. Ah. <sighs> Okay. Oh, I've been 210 parts throughout my whole career. I'm still. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you wanna be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.